New Year to all of you. Um, it's, uh, it's great to be in the position where we can meet together on this first Sunday of the new year. And we're going to enter into a, a brand new series that's going to take us all the way up to nearly Easter. And we're going to be looking at the epistle to the Ephesians. Be bold, be strong, be daring, be brave. Step out even when you don't have all of the answers when the path isn't clear all the way that you can see, just step out in faith and believe that God is going to do something miraculous in your life and through your life in this year. And as we embark on this uh, series on Ephesians, as I was reflecting on it, there was a little um, incident in my own life that came back to me very vividly. I was on a train. The train was traveling from Manchester to London. On the train with me was someone who had been newly appointed by the General Church of the Nazarene. And the reason why he was with me was to find out what I was doing in Northern Europe and how I was dealing with some of the issues that were in the countries in Northern Europe. And so the conversation would go something like this. He would ask me a question. I would say, this is what I'm doing. And he would look at me and he would say, I want to say two things about that. And then whenever he had finished his two things, he said, and what about this? And I would tell him what I was doing. He said, I want to say two things about that. Now this went on for about an hour. And, and inside I'm starting to, to really um, become myself. And, and I excused myself, went down the corridor, and went into the, the toilet, and I phoned home. And Ruth said to me, how's it going? <laughs> and I said to her, if this, guy, I, if this guy says, I want to say two things about that one more time, I'm going to jump off this train. This will probably be the last time you'll hear my voice. As I was studying um, for this, this new series, I almost quit because you're going to hear two things this morning. No, no, you're not. You're not really. You're going to hear one thing, and then Paul's going to say two things about it. And then he's going to say two things about that. And then he's going to say two things about that as well. And, and I'm hoping that you're not all going to jump ship and run out on me because he wants to make a point to us, and it's a great point as we enter into this new year. Now, let me, let me establish the ground for you. The Apostle Paul had a great relationship with the church in Ephesus. He went to Ephesus for a very short time in his second missionary journey. And then on his third missionary journey, he stayed with them for almost three years. And um, he he saw many, many people come to faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, the, the epistle to the Ephesians and Paul's ministry in Ephesus should be a real encouragement to our heart this morning, especially in the light of the news that we heard about this young man being murdered last night and the darkness that there is in Carrickfergus, because Ephesus was a really dark place. It was absolutely pagan. It was known throughout the ancient Near East because 
of its temple to Artemis, who was a Roman god. And people would come from all over to worship Artemis. But the apostle Paul arrives and he brings light into that darkness. And that light starts to grow and grow and grow. And when he's there for, for almost three years, there are many, many, many people that come to faith in Jesus Christ. And they are delivered from the power of darkness and they are brought into the kingdom of God. He wrote this letter probably around AD 60, 61, somewhere around that time, at the same time as he wrote Colossians and Philemon. Now, he was in Rome when he wrote this letter. He was imprisoned in Rome. And so, the, the letter to the Ephesians is affectionately known as one of the prison letters, the prison epistles, along with Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. There are four of them that he wrote when he was in prison. And the book deals with the core of Christianity. Outside of the book of Romans, it's probably one of the, the most theological books that there is in the New Testament. The first three chapters... And this is where it gets interesting for me because the book divides neatly into two sections. You've got the first three chapters where he outlines this new kingdom that is going to be established. People are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. They're coming into a new community, a community of faith. And he, he talks about how people enter into that kingdom. He talks about people being delivered from the power of darkness. He talks about them coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And then in the next three chapters, he talks about now that you are in the kingdom, this is how you should live. So the first three chapters, how you enter the kingdom. The next three chapters, this is how you live when you're in the new kingdom. What becomes clear is this. The apostle Paul expected this community of faith would live the life that Jesus died to give us, the life of faith within the church, in their homes, in their workplaces, and in their community. And so we're going to get to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And it reads like this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the first thing that I want you to note is that the author of this book is Paul. So he, he just states quite clearly that he is the one who is writing this book. But he claims two sources of authority. The first thing that he says here is that he's an apostle of Christ Jesus. Paul, 
an apostle of Christ Jesus. An apostle is someone sent by God with the good news of the gospel, especially to people who have never, ever heard it before. An apostle is someone who brings good news to people who have never heard it before. The requirements of being an apostle at that time were very simple. Personally, to have seen and heard Jesus Christ witness the resurrection and also his ascension. But Paul talks in the book of Corinthians as being an apostle that was born out of season. He didn't follow Jesus Christ when Jesus Christ was on the earth. In Acts chapter 9, we have the account of him being born again of the Spirit of God and Jesus coming to him and appearing to him personally. And so he is one that is born out of season. But he, he affirms that he is an apostle because he has seen the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Not only was he seen by Christ, but he was chosen by Christ to be an apostle. And if you read Acts chapter 9 and you read the account of his conversion, you will discover there that he was called to be an apostle to the Jews, to the Gentiles, and to kings, to the leaders of the Gentiles. The second source of authority that he, he claims is that this was done by the will of God. Being an apostle was not something that Paul woke up one morning and said, you know what, I fancy being an apostle. It's not something that he took to himself. This was something that the apostle Paul was chosen to do by the will of God. Now, I want to stop right there and say this. I believe with all my heart that every Christian is called by God to do something. Every single one of us is called by God to do something. And if you are walking in the center of God's will, wherever you work, wherever you are called to live for Jesus Christ, should it be in a hospital, an office, school, supermarket, if it's in the home, you are called to be the best that you can possibly be there. I really want to be straight this morning and say, don't leave your Christianity in the church on Sunday. Take it with you. Live your life for Jesus Christ, where he has called you to be. And on Monday morning, don't leave your Christianity at home. Take it into work with you. Take it into school with you. Take it into college with you. Live for Jesus Christ. Because if you are in the center of God's will, you are called to be his representative where you are. Paul, 
an apostle. Two sources for that claim. Chosen by Jesus Christ. By the will of God. Now he's going to write this letter to people who live in Ephesus. To people in Ephesus. And there are two characteristics for these people. The first thing that he does is he calls them God's holy people. Some older translations, some of the versions of Scripture that you may have read this morning will have called these people saints. Those who are set apart for God's service. Now, when we think of saints, we often think of statues. We think of stained glass windows and cathedrals. We think of miraculous appearances, mystical encounters. Whenever the church canonizes someone as a saint, there needs to be several requirements that they have to fulfill before they can be called a saint. They have to have an impressive list of good deeds and at least two verifiable miracles attributed to them. And if, if they pass all of that, they're a saint. But in the, the words of the Apostle Paul, if you are born again of the Spirit of God, listen to this. You are a saint. Amen. All right? Now, what I want you to do is to take a good look around at the people who are sitting around you. Because the people sitting around you, don't look at me, look at everybody else. The people who are sitting around you, if they are born again of the Spirit of God, they are saints. Hallelujah. Right? I did, I did toy with this idea that you would all stand up and go to each other and say, I'm a saint. But as you look around and you see people, you see ordinary people who have been extraordinarily infilled with the Holy Spirit and they have been set aside for God's use, God's purpose, you are a saint. And looking around at some of your faces, it reminded me of a story that, um, that I heard a long time ago about two brothers who were absolute rogues. They were villains. And one of them died, and the younger brother sent for the local Nazarene minister and said, I would like you to take his funeral, and I'll give you 5,000 pounds if in the course of your address you say at his funeral that he was a real saint. Now, being a good Nazarene minister who had never seen 5,000 pounds in his life. This guy went to work on the sermon, and he starts off like this. This man was an absolute rogue. He was a villain of the highest order. He cheated, he lied, he stole. But you see, in comparison to his brother, <laughs> he was a real saint. When you look around, don't compare each other with one another. 
Let the word of God come to your heart this morning. You have been born again of the spirit of God. Something miraculous has happened in your life. You're one of God's holy people. You are a saint. That's the first thing of the two things he wants to say about these people in Ephesus. Second characteristic is this. They are the faithful in Christ Jesus. So they're saints because they believe in Jesus, but even better, these people he saw as being faithful saints. And I paused there and I asked myself the question, does that mean that there can be unfaithful saints? Does that mean that there are people who don't always act like saints? And judging by my opening story, (laughs) there are times that you don't always act like a saint. Becoming a faithful saint is the most challenging but also the most rewarding and exciting the thing that you will ever do in your life. And right at the start of this new year, wouldn't it be great if all of us would say, Lord, all I want to be this year is faithful to you. That's it. Just faithful to whatever you want to do in my life. I'll say this, there's never a dull moment for the man or woman who is trying to become a faithful saint. There are many obstacles, many hurdles, many challenges that will come our way. But all I desire to be is to be faithful. You may be noticing to me in in your bulletin on the front page, the title of this morning's message is, reasons to be joyful. Here's one. We are God's holy people because of what Jesus Christ has done in our hearts. And we can be faithful in Christ Jesus as he continues to work in us. There's always something that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. So the author of this letter is Paul, two things. He qualifies who he is and the reason why he was chosen. He was chosen by Christ Jesus according to the will of God. The people that he's writing to, he says two things about them. They are saints and they're desiring to be faithful saints of God in Christ Jesus. And then he moves on to his greeting. And he wants them to experience two things. He talks about grace and peace. Grace and peace to you. He usually starts his letters like this.
But don't miss what he wants you to understand here this morning. The Apostle Paul understood grace. He understood it. He called himself the chief of sinners. But he was chosen by God to share God's grace with the Jews, the Gentiles, and to leaders of the day. He was known as the apostle of grace. And the reason why was because he was probably the most qualified person to speak about grace because he had received it in abundance. A persecutor of the church, putting people to death because of their lives in Jesus Christ, trying to stamp out Christianity and then one day meets Jesus Christ and experiences grace. And all of that is completely forgiven. We understand God's grace as his unmerited favor. You'll hear preachers talk about that all the time. Really what it is, it's the blessing of God poured out on people that don't deserve it. Paul doesn't want us to think that this grace comes cheap. It cost Jesus Christ everything to make a way of salvation for us. Doesn't cost us anything, but it cost him absolutely everything. I've told you this wee story before. There's a wee lady in the church a number of years ago called Annie Gill. Annie is now in heaven. But Annie um, came from a, an alcoholic background. Came to church and found Jesus Christ as her Savior. Boy, what a change in her life. And whenever we were having a gospel mission, we, we had the Reverend John Crouch with us from Perth for, for a week, a week's meetings. And he was staying with us in the manse. And, and I said to, to John, I'm going out visiting today. And he said, uh, Philip, I'd like to go with you. Take me to some of the, the new people in the church. And so we went to Annie's house and we, we sat with Annie. And she, she was raw. I mean, she, she knew nothing about Christianity whenever she got saved. And, and we started to talk, and she said to me, Pastor, and somebody had given her a Bible. She said, what, what, what's that thing down the middle of each page? And I said, well, that, that's just to help you. There's, there's references there. I said, as you read, you'll come across maybe a little letter. And, and I said, if you go to the letter in the margin there in the middle... It'll give you other references that you can go to and, and everything. And, and, and she was all amazed at this, that, that there, were, there were different references and cross-references in the Scripture. We got outside into the car, and I looked around, and John Crouch was crying. He was an absolute broken man. And I, I said to him, are you all right, John? He's, he said, Philip, I would, I would love to meet people like that. People that have just experienced God's grace. And it's real. It's real to them. And the joy that was in Annie's face. She wanted to serve the Lord. 
And this is the part that you all probably know if you've heard this story before. She, uh, she worked with Rosie on silver liners and was the bus conductor. And she would go and knock on people's doors and she would bring them out and get them onto the bus. And, and she had a sing song on the bus. She, she, would, she just loved the Lord. She worked in, uh, on a Monday at, at our lunch club. and She was just a real joy around the place. And she wanted to do more and she, she volunteered to clean the church. Well, Monday morning, she, I would, she would come in to clean the church and I... Occasionally, I would walk past, and, and I would see her kneeling here at, at the altar. And one Monday morning, I, I come in the back door there and stood and watched her, and, and I could hear her praying. And I made my way to the front and sat near the front and listened to her. And here's what she said. Lord, I just want to say thank you. that you came into my life and transformed me. And I want to say thank you for the privilege that you've given to me to clean your house. And I think about that and think about all the rubbish that we leave behind us and somebody needs to clean it up. But for her, it was a privilege. Why? Because what Jesus Christ had done in her life. And coming out of darkness into light and coming out of death into life, she experienced the grace of God. Yes, grace is free to us. But it cost God everything when he gave Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. And Paul says... I want you to know grace because grace is the fountain and peace is the river that flows from it. Once you have experienced God's grace in your life, you will know the peace of God in your heart. Peace with God, peace within ourselves, and peace with each other. When we have experienced grace, we will know what peace is. And then he says this. And I want to say two things about that. All right? This grace and peace comes to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Exactly the two sources that he talked about in verse 1 when he was claiming to be an apostle. He was an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And he says, you who are believers in Jesus Christ, you have experienced grace and peace. And they come from God our Father and Jesus Christ. And from here, he launches into the spiritual truth that we're going to look at over the next 11 or 12 weeks. He's going to talk about spiritual possessions. He's going to talk about blessings and riches that we have in Christ.
And as he reveals these things to us, what these things are, let us, as a congregation, put them into practice so that we can bring glory to God through our lives. Paul, an apostle, two things. His authority comes from Jesus Christ and the will of God. To the people who live in Ephesus, two things. Your saints and your faithful to God. I want you to know two blessings, grace and peace. Two things I want to say about that. They come from God the Father and Jesus Christ. If you're saved this morning, you're one of God's holy ones. You're a saint. You know what grace is. And as we take time now to gather around the table of the Lord, let His peace embrace you. Take the time to think about the cost to God for grace to meet us and peace to come into our lives. As mulling all this over and an old hymn came into my, my head written by Horatio Spafford. It's well with my soul. And if you are in Christ Jesus this morning and you want to and you're going to gather around the table here and you're going to celebrate the death of Jesus Christ. You're able to sing it as well with my soul. It starts like this. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know it is well, it is well with my soul. That's grace. That's peace. It's well with my soul. But where does it come from? Well, Spafford goes on in the verse, verse 3 to say this. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Grace comes to us. Peace flows from it. Oh, dwell in the presence of his grace and peace. This morning as we celebrate the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and the coming again of Jesus Christ. These are our reasons to be joyful this morning. Join with me in prayer. I'm going to ask the communion stewards if you'd make your way forward now, please. Now, there may be somebody here this morning who's, who's not experienced God's grace. Maybe somebody here this morning and, and maybe you've You've wandered away 
from God. I'm going to pray a prayer, and maybe you would make this your prayer. See, at this, at this table this morning, we believe that, that this, this here is, is a symbol of God's grace. But more than that, more than that, you can experience God's grace at this table. Your life can be right with God here this morning. So I'm going to pray. And maybe you would want to make this your prayer this morning. Father, I know that I have broken your laws. And my sins have separated me from you. truly sorry, Lord, and now I want to turn away from my past life, and I want to turn to you. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ, your son, died for my sins, was resurrected from the dead, is alive, and here's my prayer even now. Lord Jesus, I invite you to be Lord of my life. To rule and reign in my heart from this day forward. Please send your Holy Spirit to help me obey you. And to do your will for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's be faithful saints. And we can't do that on our own strength. We need His strength to live the life that He wants us to live. So in this act of communion, this means of grace this morning, talk to the Lord. Jesus left us these emblems. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, it's broken for you, it's broken for us this morning. Take it and eat it. Robert's going to pray in thanksgiving for the bread. Amen. Amen. Share this bread with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And as you take the bread this morning, feed upon Christ in your hearts by faith.
When they had eaten, Jesus took the cup and he prayed over it. And then he made this, this great statement. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. He was telling us That the way back to God is through his death. And he has paid the price for our individual sin. Ivan's going to lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving for the cup. Share the cup with your brothers and sisters in Christ. We will retain the cup. Go ahead. And 
we will drink together. stand and on this this first Sunday of on this new new year as we partake of the means of grace enthrone the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart and be thankful that you hold in your hand a symbol of the cost of your redemption he gave his life's blood so that we could be free from the dominion of darkness. Drink and be thankful. Father, we bless you this morning. And we thank you that grace has come to us through Jesus Christ. And our prayer this morning would be that that every single one of us here this morning would experience your grace in, and peace in abundance. And help us to know, Lord, that 
even though we don't always make the right choices and we don't always do the right things, that there is grace. There is grace in abundance. And may the peace of God hold us and continue to sustain us through this new year. In his name we pray. Amen.